you thought I was done for the year, but no, one more 2022 podcast. And yes, I'm joined again with my sweet husband as we finish out, talk a little bit more about some current events, specifically the dollar, the state of the currency and inflation and all those things. It is a little scary, doom and gloom. It's weird times, but of course there's always hope in Jesus. So let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. So picking up a little bit where we left off, I want to talk about the state of the dollar because we haven't touched on that in a while. And honestly, I don't really know where we're at on that specifically. I've stopped, like I said in our last podcast, I have been a little apathetic, a little angry. At Obviously, I think I got really excited at the prospects of changing things in regards to our political climate. And I thought the midterms were going to go a different way. I don't know why I thought that because I saw how it went in 2020 and my realist husband over here is giving me eyebrows like I told you so, but I really needed to just like see it go down again in front of our face and watch how everybody just turns the page again and moves on with their life and all of the Republicans selling us out anyway. And it's just, it's just been rough to watch. So I have not, I've been diving in more to books and learning about vaccines and learning about the history of education in our country, just going in different directions, not so much in the current event moment. So I do not know where we at on inflation. What is the inflation number before you answer? What is interesting that you've brought up is now we're like lapping ourselves. So when you see an inflationary number now, January, 2023, It is, you have to remember that this time last year, we were already in an inflationary environment. So if last year, as an example, let's say last June, the inflation was 6%. If the inflation this June is 6%. I think we were hitting like five or so, five or six by like February, March. Well, what I'm getting at is that's 12%. Right from what our baseline of what we would consider normal. So even if because the, the inflationary number is, numbers are lower, the the number is measured year over yes. year. So like you're comparing June's to last June's, you know. Yeah. So like this last number Not over baseline. This last number was for November that came out and I believe and it was, was it? 7.1 or Okay, something. so that's 7.1 additional percent from what it was last, last year. Year which might have been 5, 4 or 5. It was already creeping. Creeping. Um So we might see basically let me just hammer that down. We might see lower numbers of inflation as the months go on, meaning it might be 5%. We're like, oh, we're improving because it used to be 7 or 8%. No, 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 no. It's only measuring how much higher how much it more? is than last year. So when you hear all this talk, if you pay attention at all, about like, will inflation come down? It, it, 
wouldn't be crazy for it to come down or slow so, so to speak but they're measuring it year over year so like it's not if it coming comes down. from seven down to six you still have to think that in the course of a year and a month you That's know 13 percent exactly that it's you the dollar is still lost 13 percent and coincidentally food inflation specifically is at 13 percent Hmm. Hmm. That seems like a more accurate number, and pretty much anybody who isn't mainstream pop propaganda has kind of said true inflation numbers are high. Are in between thirteen and sixteen percent, and um, Shadow Stats, I think it's ShadowStats.com, is a guy who measures inflation how they used to measure it before they manipulated and changed it so that they can manipulate and change it. So it can appear better. So it can appear however they want just it like to appear. Just like the COVID numbers, <clears throat> if you'll remember that, Jim. So basically, it's just, hey, let's use a constant measure of inflation. So he uses the same measurement formula as they used in the 70s and 80s. And according to that, we are like 15% inflation. So there's... Numbers are very deceiving and not getting better. You can, with the old saying of, you know, you can make statistics say whatever you want, um, is very true. And I would actually expect, I wouldn't be surprised if inflation creeps down in the um, year over year number, but. That's st that is still the rate of increase from the year prior. Sure. So if the year prior had seven percent, you're essentially saying it's five percent more than that seven percent last year, which is really just catastrophic to the person whose income is not changing or even lowering. As we are also slowing the economy down with rising interest rates, yes, there's a lot of. Uh, I think we're in the trough, you know, or, or I think we're in the eye of the storm in that, um, you know, we kind of came through some of it this year, but it feels a little moment of peace. Yeah. I would say we're in a moment of peace. I, I don't have a lot of, um, you know, fundamental technical analysis to say why we're going to, you know, um, it's going to get substantially worse here in this next in 2023 but i the problem right now is in a free market you can actually measure market forces um and actually get an idea of where you're trending we don't live in that we live in a centralized planning um market where human beings the federal reserve private bankers make decisions on our monetary supply, our interest rates, etc. that humans are are less predictable than nature, if that's fair to say. Hmm. So we can't know. I mean the whole literally the entire market tries to guess beforehand what always gets it wrong. Chairman Powell's going to do. You know what I mean? And and that's not, you know, in my opinion, a good way to do things, but um, we can't really know because 
I don't know, the Fed could res- reverse course, um, lower interest rates, but that would be that would mean. a short-term reprieve in the economy and an increase in inflation. What would that look like? Then people would flood the housing market again. Like, what would that? If interest look rates like in go practice? down substantially, you're going to see refinances, which would be great for the mortgage industry. You'd see more home buying tick up. Home prices maybe recover a touch. Um, and generally, it would spur a lot of the economy because there is a lot of the economy that's connected to home buying from the banking industry to the construction industry to the materials that Consumer, go into that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot there. It would definitely be a spur to the economy. Um, that's part Which, of the- as an insider, as a real estate agent, you can say we have seen just an absolute abrupt halt. Granted, it's the holidays, which that's always a lull. It's been a pretty substantial... Uh, halt this month, but that's kind of common. I'm not. I'm not even like ready to say what will happen in January, February, and also Tennessee. We work it? in Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, and Still I have hot. a lot of clientele that, at least for now, are planning on coming out after the school year from California or where you know wherever. Um, and that's also there. There's definitely ebbs and flows to relocations. Um, School year, things like that. Holidays. Holidays are slow. Nobody wants to move between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know. But it's too hard to say what will happen there. But we have seen in the last oh. two years plenty of people moving between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like it did well, not slow down. That was down the, that in was the, the, last the slowest two years. part. It just was such a crazy yeah. time that there was still business was still... happening. But um, so it's happening. Not as oh, much yeah. here oh, no, no. as other places. Price. Possibly. I mean, you don't. You under a rock if you don't know that. Prices are declining. Interest rates are rising. Demand is... Houses are sitting. Demand is plummeting. Um, That's happening. Uh, Days on market are extending. How long it takes a house to sell. Um, You know, in Middle Tennessee, you could sell a house in three days in the right market for the right price. Um, Heck, in two hours. For over um, asking. For over asking. And now you're going to sit for 40 days. Most likely, that's even if you're appropriately appropriately priced in many cases, depending on the subsection of the market you're in geographically. But uh, as far as if they continue to raise rates, so that was kind of if they lower rates, there could be a resurgence in the economy. But that's also letting the leash off of inflation. Um which will have mid-term, long-term, more substantial, if not catastrophic consequences. You'll probably see a lot of folks are waiting for that rush to precious metals. Um, that would be a breakout for miners, precious metals, etc. quite likely. If they continue to raise the rates, it's just going to constrict the money supply. And so much of our, that is on paper, that is what needs to be done to fight inflation, but it's a delicate one. You hear this term soft landing. What they're referring to is you are choking the economic engine of this nation when you raise interest rates. At the same time, because we have spent into oblivion, and we still ha- are, we have no choice but to. In order to save the currency, raise interest rates to beat out inflation. So you're, you raise interest rates 
to beat the inflation, but that has a direct impact on choking the economy off. So I don't believe there's a soft landing. That's my personal opinion. I don't oh, think it's possible. Um, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not, you know me. I'm not one for predictions. I, I read between the lines. I look at the general direction and I prepare accordingly. I don't say this is going to happen at this time or, you know, it's for sure going to be this way. Um, you just don't know. But in this case, I look at things like, what do I need to be prepared for if they lower interest rates? And what do I need to be prepared for if they raise interest rates? And some of those things are actually the same preparations work on both sides. Mm-hmm. And What happens if they raise interest rates more? What That just continues to choke home buying, the it, economy It, it, in, it chokes general. everything because we're a debt-derived um, economy. You know, um, businesses large and small... Go out of business. Run off of debt. And so when it costs you, you know, I mean, think about it right now, buying cars, right? I I heard an ad on the radio too. If you order a Ford from the factory, they'll lock in your interest rate at a special interest rate. And that way you know exactly what your payment is, what what your interest rate is going to be. And I mean, it's a... It's a marketing gimmick on some level. That's like the 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 benefit of buying a brand new car. You're saying right because how are they? How is Ford going to sell a fifty eight thousand dollar Ford F one fifty when interest rates are twelve percent? Yeah. It doesn't work that way. The same way that in real estate, you know, a year ago, a buyer that qualified for seven hundred thousand dollars with twenty percent down. This year, they only qualify for $500,000 with 20% down because the interest is eating that buying power, that buying power up. So um, imagine what it, how does Ford produce a truck that they've been selling for sixty grand, financed at 3%. Now, if it's 8 or 9%, that person can't afford that truck for sixty grand. Well, the truck's not – it's not like there's – they can just drop twenty grand off of it. Heck, in this inflationary environment, commodities—the steel costs more money, the rubber costs more money, the labor—you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, it's a very, very delicate system, and this is why you let the free market go unencumbered. Because while there is pain in a free market, it fixes itself before catastrophe happens. So, yes, there are winners and there are losers in a free market. And it is not perfect in the sense of nobody gets hurt or loses. It's just that those things get sorted out at a small enough level to where you never are facing this level of catastrophic failure failure that we are quite possibly on the precipice of. I'm not trying to be too doom and gloom, but like we have kicked the can and manipulated everything we can manipulate and you know you cannot defy the laws of nature and there's only so much you can get away with before you know you got to pay the piper and we are currently we have been raising rates um so the dollar's no better the dollar has come Strength down from its bend. its highs 
it's strengthened because interest rates have gone up, but it's only appearing strong because of what it's being compared to. Yes, but it's also backed off of. And yes, that's an important thing. I know we've talked about this before, but maybe not everybody understands it. The dollars, uh, there's something called the Dixie, DXY, that is how we measure the strength internationally of the dollar. And it's all it is is comparing our currency to another currency and it's not another current i mean it's a basket of currencies um and so gosh i haven't looked at what the dollar is like in the last week or two but like it was up at like 1.05 1.07 maybe even a little bit higher i don't know and it's i believe it's come down a little bit but again that's not because we are in such a robust healthy (laughs) shape it's because Everyone Europe else. is in utter shambles. So it's, to borrow from the economic ninja, we're just the best looking turd in the punch bowl is why we are on paper showing a strong dollar. So we had talked about before, which I don't know if it made it to a podcast, but China recently was talking about they need to start dumping dollars because the dollar is air quotes strong they can get the most exchange for it but obviously when all those dollars come rushing back that's going to be a massive problem is that still a thing have you been reading about that it is is still a thing honestly i don't have a whole lot of new stuff to um how come that hasn't happened i don't know and it's not to say it have, won't, you know. Um, I do believe that this is more opinion theory. Uh, that's a very strategic thing for China. And China is not without their problems. Obviously, they've just, oh, yeah. whatever the heck is, China has the weirdest COVID world going on ever, right? They've been Zero crazy COVID, lock everybody down, rioting in the streets, and now all of a sudden everybody has COVID and they're dying. All of a sudden, every, it's almost like so a giant stage over there of like We have pretending, actual no idea. Uh, yeah, no, you, I, I have no idea. And we do have friends that uh, are, have from very, China. are from China, very direct connections to China. And uh, there's some very bizarre stuff going on, but who's to know? But they're not without their problems. But the, the dumping of dollars is a fifth generation warfare nuclear bomb. It's a little bit of can opening. I think they would save that for final play. Very intentional action. Like um, they wouldn't just do it any old yeah. day. They they would have a time and a place and a reason for sure. it. So and and it's not to say they ever will for sure, but it hasn't happened yet. Well, a memo went out, didn't it? Or so we read. It did, and the the Asia, the Eastern. Um, I mean, anyone who's read the Art of War, they're. Their, their society patient. is methodical, um, patient, patient, self-controlled. The West does not have that we're discipline. We're absolutely, we're impulsive. We're impatient. We need uh, results today. We need a, a hundred X return tomorrow. We're day traders. You know, Asia, that all flies in the face of like the Eastern um, plan strategy Method, yeah. yeah the the chinese will take a generation to overcome the west and they have i believe they're 
getting very close. So they're linked, obviously, with Russia. What is happening with Putin? I read today he did a gap or a some sort of move against the West in regards to gas caps. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's a little bit of a, I don't know if you'd call it a trade war or what, but, you know, there's... He's making the place. I would just say that there's... He's running the table. He absolutely is, but there's... Still running the table. There's, uh, these are the um, labor pains of of this East-West economic um, superpower... Fight. Fight. And we are, like, make no mistake and watch a YouTube video. We I can't remember if we've actually done something specifically on first, second, third, fourth, fifth no, generation warfare. Haven't. There are some great videos out there. Um, it's a little bit mind-bending, but it will open your eyes. And we are... At war. We at are at war. war. Long since. Um, fifth generation warfare is different than what... The no very few Western minds understand it, and I fear it's that unfamiliar we are, warfare to us for sure. I feel that we are not employing it like they are. God no, that I am aware of. If anything, they're employing it on their own people, um, like us. Give us a brief description. What in as simple as you can boil it down? First generation warfare being. Well, let's just go like marching at each other in an open battlefield. Yeah, no, let's more start at like third. You know, is like where uh, let's just say third was World War Two, standing armies facing off against other armies, military on Tanks. military, Tanks, guns, bombs, bombers, etc. Fourth generation warfare would be more moving towards that, like getting somebody else to fight the war for you. The whole CIA goes into. Syria starts a rebel uh, group. Color revolution. And, and you're essentially funneling and helping a war occur. That proxy topples, war. It's a proxy war, yeah. That topples somebody or a, a, accomplishes an objective, but you didn't actually have to fire a shot personally. You're not or on, sending troops. On behalf of your military. And they may not even know that you're the one behind it. You know, that's fourth generation warfare. Fifth generation warfare is like, no joke, it's like how TikTok... In China is different than TikTok in America. And TikTok in China is like science experiments and teaching kids, you know, algebra and calculus and trigonometry and, you know, how to be better. And it's like fart jokes and and somersaults and, uh, you know, funny, funny pranks to play on your dad in America. You know, like fifth generation warfare is like a whole nother level where... They're, it's like silent indoctrination. It it's mind games. It cannot be summed up in one application. Um, it's undermining a currency. It's it's uh, gaslighting. I mean, I think that Ukraine. This is again. This is theory, but like what I see, Ukraine. Uh, while it is a pseudo, uh, I mean, it it is a a uh, kinetic battle like it is actually a war but like what many people and i've said about this in the podcast but i'll just review it like this is fifth generation warfare is i believe that putin invaded ukraine to get the united states and the west to sanction them out of the swift banking system which dethroned 
the U.S. dollar from the reserve currency status, it was like a brilliant play of he like he baited us into he doing baited it to us ourselves. into it and knew what we he knew we would not we actually help do ourselves. anything. We but wouldn't we, fire shots. You mean we wouldn't yeah. show up in in the conflict? We just got ran out of Afghanistan. Totally. The we have no um, will to fight. He had Europe by the neck, by the throat, <laughs> um, in that he had the stranglehold on their gas lines. Um, he knew that we would not directly confront him. And he has the nuclear threat, right? So he knew we would not directly confront him. So we would have to take our strongest action. And the fools that we are, possibly complicit and did it on purpose and knew what we were doing. I don't know how bad that is, how, how bad our own Certainly leadership Biden is. Certainly Biden doesn't know. He doesn't know. He's president. I don't know if we were complicit in it or... Um, I, that's tinfoil hat stuff. But at the very least, we did it. We fell for it. We, we sanctioned him out of the SWIFT system, the fourth largest gas producer, natural gas producer, huge, what, fourth or fifth, sixth grain producer grain, in the world. Corn. Those products, those commodities, those resources We cut are, ourselves off from them. Are going to be sold in the world that you cannot stop the free market. It, it is a it's like gravity. It exists. No matter how hard you try to stop the drug trade, it will occur. No matter how hard you try to keep Russia from selling gas. If you take a quarter of the world's gasoline supply or oil supply away, the world's going to go get it somehow. It's a force of nature. You can't stop it. And what BRICS, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa banking system for... Which is new. But was already in place, mm -hmm. ready to go. So he knew. He knew we were going to pull him out of China ours. China knew. And he was going to create his own. They were ready to go. He's running the table. The sanctions crashed the ruble. What did he do? He pegged the ruble to gold. Bing, bang, boom. In an instant, the ruble was recovered within three months to higher the than strongest. it was before. Yeah. And it's the only... Backed by gold currency. It's the only currency pegged to gold in the world currently, I believe. Yeah. Um... And he is now trading oil at and whatever natural price gas he wants. At whatever price he wants, exactly. So that's fifth generation. That's warfare. fifth generation warfare. Is he unseated the U.S. dollar from the reserve from the global reserve currency status without firing a shot at the United States? I also think of it as um, like critical race theory in schools is absolutely fifth generation warfare, where it's like a slow. All the George they can Soros deny it to your stuff. face. We're not teaching critical race theory, but like you are, you are. Why can't you know? Like it's this weird undermining, gaslighting, mind control I mean, mechanism. You would, it's it's get a the rabbit, person to do what you want them to do. It's a rabbit hole, but like even the inf the the communist infiltration of our higher education in the United States. You know that was started literally a generation ago that was fifth generation warfare. the first stage of their fifth generation warfare because they i mean if you can get a generation of a nation to turn against itself, itself 
A, that doesn't happen on accident. It is intentional. And B, it's it's a form of warfare, whether you believe it or not. Getting white people to hate themselves, getting boys to think they're girls. All of this is a mechanism of that. It's definitely encouraged, fueled, sparked. I mean, every at every stage and level has been um, grown. It didn't come from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it was intentional. And there's a ton of uh, writings and documentation on this stuff where the R- Russian communists and Chinese communists were... were what would you say, uh, writing papers and dissertations and essays, um, and whether it be in the actual universities of, of Russia and China or even the war colleges of the Chinese military, where they have been talking about this stuff for 40 and 50 years, taking action, talking about how to subvert and weaken, because they knew, they, they were smart enough to know they, they could not beat the military might. and economic might of the United States. Both of them, China and Russia, had been beaten militarily and economically by the United States in one form or another, or at least to a stalemate. And we the, were still strong in those areas until relatively recently. We have 12 nuclear-powered aircraft carriers. There's only... How many oceans are there? <laughs> <laughs> Four majors, five majors. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, you don't need to really be sailing in the Arctic, you know, a aircraft carrier. So like, put two up there just to be safe. China, I think they have one. I, I know they have one, and it's like a refurbished Soviet one. Russia has one. It breaks down every time it leaves port. It's like they know they couldn't beat us that way, and they weren't trying. They were investing their offensive capability in a completely different, silent, quiet, camouflaged, covert way. They've now also got us IVing Ukraine all of our money and inflating our dollar out the butt. Oh, I mean, it's... It's brilliant. There's there's so many levels where when when I try to be as objective as I can and I just see we are flailing about totally reactionary at best reactionary um russia and china bricks are running the table they're gaining momentum um gaining new members they're i believe taking over the world what's so scary to me not a lot of things actually scare me but what actually scares me is that the American people are completely unaware of this on the scale and severity that it is. And that I'm not one for like believing that we're going to fall off a cliff in an instant. But like this has the, the volatility and potential powder keg to... Go bad fast. Go really, really bad really fast. Because we have already lost the reserve currency status. When that comes home to roost, American dollars will be dumped. There are trillions of American dollars being held around the world in central banks of other countries. 
they, they had to hold American dollars to purchase oil for the past 50 years. That is still staying that way generally, but, but it doesn't have to be. It won't. It not only does it not have to be, but it won't. And God forbid. This is what we were saying. China sends all their dollars back. If if a chain, if somebody starts dumping dollars, nobody wants to be the last one holding them, because those dollars will come flooding back to the United States, which will make them be worth less and less and less and less by the minute. Literally by the minute, we're talking hyperinflation. This is not. This happened before in our is, lifetime. This is so. This is what people don't get. Is like the this is all the groundwork is laid for this. Like. It's actually quite likely, and the only thing the Federal Reserve can do is skyrocket interest rates in order to try to soak up those dollars. They won't be able to. So when we talk about, we were just talking about, was that in the last one, this hard landing, soft landing, is like... Not this one. You're going to absolutely choke the economy to death. Because you're going to have to raise interest rates like crazy. I mean, it's not the Great Depression. It's some other... It's a whole nother it's level, It's a whole nother level. It's, it's... This nation has not seen that. Other nations have seen it. You know, Turkey has 83%, 90% inflation right wow. now. You know, there's other countries that are dealing with it right now. Um, a number of them, actually, inflation's going around. But... Uh, it's like a bad disease, like COVID... But it's uh, your options are you're, you're going to have hyperinflation, which means your buying power is just literally goes off a cliff as far as what each dollar can buy compared to what it used to be able to buy. And at the same time, your interest rates are going to be skyrocketing. So it's just going to be bad. really bad. And if that happens, but what I'm saying is like all the groundwork is laid for that. The dollar, there is no more dollar reserve currency, global reserve currency. That chapter is over. The momentum is entirely moving in the other direction. It would be crazy not to, along the same lines of what we just talked in the last podcast, accept that reality and take some action to prepare for it. Yeah. And it's one of those things, it's risk and reward. Like in the fire service and the military, you go, how likely is this to happen? And that's, you know, how much we're going to, uh, prepare and plan and stack our resources there. And then the stuff that's like really bad, but like not as likely to happen. We, we stack it accordingly that much training time, resources, equipment for that course of action if necessary. And it's like, this is one of those things that it's so catastrophic for you and your family that like, even though it, you might go, this is so unlikely, it's worth placing some level of priority and resource on preparing for it to some degree. And what does that look like? Potentially diversifying into silver... Tangible assets, things Land. that outside of the dollar, um, and those that hold value that that will hold value or or produce 
value. And sidebar, this is why a lot of people suspect Bill Gates is buying up all this farmland because he has some nefarious plan for farms and blah, blah. It's probably true. He probably also has nefarious plans for farms. Or he knows what we're talking about and he knows the dollar's about to plummet in value. So he's dumping his dollars into something that has value regardless, which is land. Yes. And and, and he's not the only one. I, that, I'm glad you brought that up because it is a great example. You can oftentimes cue off of the rich and powerful, right? Like I may not want to be them or be like them, but they, they, know they know things I don't. And I don't believe like, you know, the, the common theme is that like Bill Gates is going to buy up all the farmland and not let anybody plant anything. Maybe, you know, but like, or... That's a happy side effect. Or he's getting out of dollars. He's got a hundred billion dollars and he doesn't want to be holding a hundred billion dollars so what does he do and they're being a little unfriendly with the rubles to us americans (laughs) (laughs) he's turning them into tangible assets of different kinds land is the age-old tangible asset so yeah if you had five hundred thousand dollars sitting around there is land there is Precious metals. Heaven forbid, don't put it in the stock market. There is, uh, what was I just going to say? Um, livestock, like things that are tangible. And when I say they either hold value inherently. Or that'd produce be, value. That'd be like a, a precious metal. Or they produce value inherently like a livestock. Um, land would also be in the inherently holds value. Also produce I mean, you can it, it grow absolutely food, does. you can Timber, lease it, you pay, can... it can grow your livestock. And I know we sound maybe like a broken record because we're, this is just the best thing that for, we are generally all, if you're middle class, if you make less than $400,000 a year, you're, you're in the peasantry. Whether you think of yourself higher than that or not, you are in the peasantry. You will be crushed by this if you don't prepare for it. So... We probably have a lot of the same solutions because this is what we have. This is the path we have been led down by God and leaned into. So I'm not saying there aren't other maybe ways I'm just not even aware of. But the ways that I do know that is the tangible assets, land, livestock, precious metals, equipment. I mean, it's uh, if you have a sawmill, you know what I mean? Like there are a lot more than just what I'm saying, but one thing might look into it. Yeah. Look into it. It, There's probably a million um, potential options out there, but diversify out. Don't be doing what the herd is doing right now. This is the worst time to be going with the flow. Figure out what alternative places you can put what little savings or wealth you might have and get it out of places that are vulnerable. Um, This is not financial advice. This is life advice. Life advice. And also I know sometimes it gets doom and gloomy and it feels really heavy and these are heavy things and not enough people are talking about them. That's why we are. But I will say it is not all. I mean, we, like we have said before, it is a blessing to live a different lifestyle And thinking of it in terms of, you know, most people ask, what can I do to make money? 
we have started to ask ourselves, what can we do to live outside of needing money? You know, like, how can we live without money? What if that were the scenario? You know, like, what would that look like? And we pray those prayers. And of course, we always say, there's always hope in Jesus. And I think it is the most exciting time to be a Christian because we're either going to see incredible revival or we're going to see Jesus soon. (laughs) Either he's coming back or we're going to him and both are good scenarios. It is not something to be, you know, locked up in fear. We only speak about things in a real way to inspire action because most people are going to be locked in, like we said, conformity, comfort, They'll be the last to let go. We will be white-knuckling every last bit of our normal life, of our regular comforts. We will white-knuckle them until nothing is left. And that's our only hope is that other people will get out of of these, you know, self-imposed prisons in a lot of ways, that it will become those things. Um, that will hold you back from truly thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in these environments to come. Well, and we've seen that too, where it, it seems crazy to like take some of these actions, but then what is sounds like it's going to be catastrophic and crazy ends up like bouncing off of you because the way the Lord set us up We had no idea. We weren't that smart for what we went through in the pandemic, how our life was, where we came from, how we would have been impacted when our kids were in public school and we lived in a small neighborhood with no backyard and there were mandates and yada, yada, yada to where the Lord planted us and we were like utterly unaffected by it. The the same goes when you take these scary um you know, leaps of faith in some instances. There's fruit. There's fruit. Like when you step out and face these things and do the work and the preparation and take the action, then these things that were going to crush you become... Blessings. Yeah, like... Hidden gems. Totally change your life and are just a part of your life instead of defining and determining it. And... uh the last thing I was going to say in relation to, um, oh, as the church speaking to Christians, like this isn't a survival contest. Like Wendy and I don't look at this like we just want to last the longest. It's our finest hour will be the testimony. And I believe it's for Wendy and I, it's right now when we're saying, you guys, we leaned into where the Lord was leading us and then he did this and this was the fruit of that. We leaned into where the Lord was leading us and then this was the fruit of that. And that we- He is faithful. We, during the pandemic, we were able to take in family members who lived with us, you know, and in, in the same way, I believe that, that the calling on us and the, 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 the responsibility on us will be greater in these coming times, but God will have- positioned us and placed us not for just us but so that we can be his hands and feet so So that we can be a blessing be a blessing so that we can give the glory to him and point to him to others and share the gospel in those 
critical times say, we didn't do this, our God did this. And that's like the Bible's riddled with stories like that where... Paul's in prison, preaching to his prison guards. Over and over again, people say, what, who, what God do you know that does these things for you? Like, is that not a theme in the mm-hmm. Bible? Old Testament, New Testament. Who is this God of yours? And was, let me tell you about him. You know what I mean? Let me tell you what he has done for me and through and me for I'm you. And why I'm not afraid. Why I have a peace that defies understanding. Absolutely. So this is not a, a survival contest just for us. Um, it is a thriving contest for the church. This will is we thrive or will we sink? And I'll tell you, if this is, if this is a, I mean, there might be one person hearing this that this hits the right way. But like what is happening in Middle Tennessee with the church and, and homesteaders? I mean, the Lord has called so many people here and it gives me chills when I talk to a new person and they tell me their testimony about how God opened doors and and just overcame things and called them to Middle Tennessee and lo and behold to Homestead here. I mean, it's not for no reason. There is something bigger happening and He's preparing we us. are many. We are many, not few. Cool. Cool. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And, of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, we just pray as we enter into a new year that we would be filled fresh with your spirit, with fresh discernment, with fresh inspiration, just with clarity of vision for what you would have for all of us as we move into 2023. Lord, we just pray that anyone who hears this message would be turning to you and that they would have ears to hear what it is that you would have for them in the new year, what you're calling them to, Lord. We trust you. We know that you are on the throne and everything is under your authority. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.